Um, let's turn to, uh, let's see, where are we at here? First uh, Peter 4, one of my favorite chapters of the Bible. First um, Peter 4, okay? So while you're turning to it, let me go into the amble or the ramble. Um, so this is not pre, this is, actually we're into it now, okay? Now during the first, you know, we just went through this, pan, well, depending on who you're talking to, we're, we've been through or going through a pandemic. Um, and one thing that I noticed is a vibe happened around our area, the Northwest area in particular, because that's where we live. I mean, you know, that's the only vibe I'm aware of. Um, and it was really quite different. I think a lot of us experienced this. And as I've been looking back, and I'm working with a, a fellow who's a, a prominent psychologist in Edmonds, um, and he's helping people with uh, depression and anxiety that largely stems, especially in our younger people. Um, there's a crisis right now. And, you know, if, if you're a younger person, you probably feel it. Um, and our culture around us, okay, I don't mean to get, I'm, I don't mean to sound social or political or anything, but our culture is very alarmed at the emotional and mental distress, while at the same time, I believe, being the source of that emotional mental distress. Um, this pandemic, in the first nine months of it, um, the psychologists in America were reporting rates of depression and anxiety six times higher than the previous year. And this is from Boston College. And there, this, this climate of fear. I, now, I've always known this. Like, I was looking at this um, thing from when I was a kid, or when I was a young person. I was with Robert. We probably watched this together. Um, I won't say Dr. Spock. No, it's Spock, Leonard Nimoy. I remember him being kind of like I don't know, Carl Sagan or whatever of his time, and he was speaking for climate change, that an imminent global ice age was coming. And I remember this frightening me, that he said, you know, unless we do something in the next, next years, we will experience a third ice age. And, you know, the, the scientists agree. The same thing we hear now. And then what I noticed after that, then there was this threat of nuclear holocaust, of, of a, of a, and that connected with the freeze theme, freeze theme, okay? And some of you guys will not even believe that this, is, this, this was said, because the, the, the narrative is completely reversed now, right? Okay, but this is true. Those of us, us old farts, we know this is true. We lived through this thing. And then, um, you know, just cat fear, catastrophe, I noticed the movies changed. It's like every blockbuster movie has to be the end of the world. Incredibly apocalyptic. And I think it's funny that one of the things that the world criticized about the church was that they were always talking about the end of the times and how apocalyptic it was and how... But now it's switched. You can't listen to any um, science show, nature show, without having this message of apocalypse in it. Now, here's the thing. It's created a climate of fear. And some of us, um, maybe even without understanding, we're deeply affected by, by this. Um, so what does the gospel have to say uh, about this? I think it says two main things, okay? Um, two main um, ways of thinking that I think that we have to 
engage in this time, even if even as we're hopefully pressing through this, and I believe we are. The sun is out finally again. Um, you know, uh, all, all seems to be well. Travels happening and whatnot. Though I hear that that, that some people are trying to get travel bans going again, oh, or you know, uh, just a lot of things going on. So anyway, um, okay. One thing, the one mindset I think the Bible tells us to arm ourselves with, and we're going to get to that First Peter four in just a sec, because that's the second part of it. The first one is our understanding of being loved. And this is so fundamental, but boy, I tell you, I have gone, I've had to re-up on this. Uh, in 1 John 4, 18, it says this, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. And I gotta, I gotta say, you know, fear is the currency of our times. Fear is the thing that, that the, the culture of the world uses to move its people around. That used to be the case with the church. You know, these Bible-thumping, hell-fire-breathing uh, preachers. And, you know, there is, an, there is an element of things we should be fearful about. Of course, we're not fearful about those things. We're fe- fearful about every other thing. Yeah. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. Okay. We love because he first loved us. Okay. I was thinking about this the other day. I was doing a, 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 a talk for you, young people. I thought, okay, I'm going to go and find every passage where it directly talks about God loving us. I thought, easy. Get on Google. I'll find all the passages. And then, you know, shoot this up for the kids. I don't know if my Google's broke that, that day. I, I do not know what happened. I thought this would be the no-brainer list that I could find. I could not find it. I could find all sorts of many, many passages and lists of passages that were on how we're supposed to love God, but not a ton of a conclusive list about God's love for us. And so I was, you know, I was, I thought I'd just bang this thing out, share with the kids. It was an all day, uh, all day study. I had to go to Logos Bibles. I had to go to my Bible study software and dig this stuff up, weed out the ones that it was, you know, um, man loving, you know, people loving people or fathers and, you know, kids and all, the whole thing. And I came up with this list. And um, how long is, it, how long is the, the study t- usually today? 11.30. Oh, gosh, this is going to be about five hours. So, uh, uh, <laughs> uh, and I put them on the video. So let's, we're going to run this video. How many of you guys are good, uh, quick readers? For the sake of time, I had to speed it up a bit. Okay, so let's, let's look at this. And maybe even if you're a good quick reader, let's memorize these as we go through them. Okay, see what, but maybe, now, okay, this is the slow speed, okay? Just let it, I guess it, let it hit your subconscious at this point. Because I started realizing at this point, I wasn't going to make it in any sort of time frame. So I sped them up a little bit. I'm being ministered to you. How about you? Okay, then I thought, we're never going to get through. Let's speed it up some more. Hundreds of passages about God's love for us. God has made this a prominent feature of his scripture. And you know, I think we got it. Our minds can be very rebellious. Your mind, your brain can be very rebellious. And it may tend toward a dark place. Um, 
And it seems to be our brains can be a place where fear easily rules and where the devil can go in and step in and lead us to fear and despair. And this is the thing I think we need to fight in our times. This is one of the ways that we become lights in the darkness, is that we're not carrying this motivation of fear and despair around with us. Young people, it's particularly in your set. I, I was listening to this um, interview the other day. It was in Colorado, and a bunch of kids had band together to um, sue their government, uh, sue their local government, because they weren't doing enough about climate change, which, which is personally rational to me. Um, but the girl, one of the girls who said it, uh, she said, you know, I, three years ago or whatever it was, I, I saw Greta Thornburg at the United Nations, and when she said, shame on you, shame on you, you guys familiar with this little speech she gave? Um, she said, I just broke into tears, and I've never been the same since, and I've been in complete fear over the state of our planet. And we want to feed this, whether it's with the Ice Age, or whether it's with nuclear threat, or whether it's with uh, plastic that, that holds together Coke cans, or whether it's um, climate change, global warming, etc. There's always some element of fear that's eating at us. And y young people in particular, this is not the way you're made to, you, you, don't, you can't function this way. You'll create emotional, mental distress of a high order. Perfect love casts out all fear. And it's not, it's not a careless place to be. It's a real place. Because when it comes down to it, this is the thing that should, we should be kind of steeping ourselves in. We should be, you know, really immersing ourselves in the love of God. And I've made a practice of this recently, re-upping on this. Every morning, to just take some time. I get up, instead of going, ah, you know, that's my first sound that I make in the morning, ah, I think, okay, I'm going to think about who I am to God and just sit in that for a little bit. You know, that's what worship's about half the time. Sometimes it's us speaking to God, but sometimes it's us just steeping ourselves in God's love. So that is the main defense against the dark arts of, of fear in our culture, okay? The second one is interesting is our understanding of our purpose, which is ready and willing to embrace suffering. So 1 Peter 4, 1, here we go. Since therefore Christ has suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live the rest of the time in the flesh, in the body, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. Now Peter's writing this from a time of suffering. Okay, um, there was persecution, there was uh, displacement of people groups um, because of what was going on. The church was brand spanking new as far as we, we're concerned. But um, what he says in this time of, of cultural rejection, right? That's happening to a large extent. Um, marginalization, if we're using terms that we would hear today, of the earlier, uh, earlier Christians, um, just outright rejection of this message in these people, they were, he doesn't try to insulate them, but to integrate them into this suffering, okay? And basically he's saying, arm yourselves. Weaponize yourself with purpose. Weaponize yourself, your mindset, with purpose. And um, 
This is a particular way uh, of thinking, a way of thinking, a disposition, a manner of thought and attitude. So this should be our attitude is that we're, um, we understand that suffering is a part of our lives, right? It's not just, it's not this Pollyanna thing, think positive about everything. We see that there's suffering and we can, in the love of being steeped in the love of God, we can engage this purposefully, purposefully engage this. Um, there's a, 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 one of my favorite, relatively famous teachers recently said that people today need comforting words and not challenge. I don't know if Peter would go for that. I think those people in that time needed some, some comfort. But he didn't give them so, the kind of comfort that, they, that we might have expected. He gave them the comfort of getting themselves ready for some suffering, right? I, I think that, that idea would be good if this world was a good place. But it's not. And um, it would be fine if we weren't in a place of suffering and warfare. Uh, okay, I have a friend, or I had a friend, or I have a friend, okay, he's, he's with the Lord now. A kid who was in my uh, youth group, uh, his name's Jason Goff. He actually became famous in little, little circles. He was, um, he was a football player, not the sharpest tool in the shed, um, real rough around the, uh, around the edges kind of guy. And uh, he came through his friends, he came to Christ um, in his high school years. And so he hung out with these guys. And I tell you, that was the one thing, he, he died recently. He had cancer and he died. We were, he actually had, he had created with me and one of his other friends, Andy Hirschman, the schedule, for his, the schedule for his memorial. He wanted such and such a song. He wanted so-and-so. He wanted me to share. He wanted Andy to say about this. So-and-so. He didn't want any crude jokes. He, didn't want, you know, he had this whole thing laid out because he knew, he knew where we might go uh, with, with him because he was really a crude kind of a character. But I tell you one thing that was really awesome. This guy, when he passed away, my wife said, you know, it is so amazing that he found Christ. This guy found Christ and stuck with him, faithful to the end. I thought, That's, that is so true. And you know one of the things that really, really was God's grace in his life was a group of friends that came around him and just walked with him. When your friends come to Christ, hang out with them. That is huge. It's absolutely huge. Just spend time with them. Bring them along with doing the, everything that you do. Uh, they drug him to church all the time. So he, he became a fixture there. Well, I remember one of the things they would do, they, like on Thanksgiving, they would, they would, uh, play, uh, they would do, play football, and they would call it, of course, the turkey bowl, right? You know, they had these young guys get out there, and it was always cold and wet, and they would have me come out. I played one year, and then I realized, oh, man, this is not safe. This is neither safe nor sound. So I, began, I, I said, okay, I'll, I'll bring my camera, and I'll film this thing. So I remember one time Jason was there. This is the guy I'm talking about, Jason. And he had, he played football in high school. Not, it wasn't great, but he played and loved it. He had his jersey on, and um, you couldn't wear pads, but, um, and you couldn't wear a helmet. But I remember he had this bandana on, and he was, uh, he was it looked like he was talking to a tree. He had this tree, <laughs> and he had it like this. He goes, yeah, what do you got? What do you got? You ain't so bad. And he would hit his head against a tree. And I went, oh, Jason. He goes, come on, come on, bring it. I want it. And I, I thought, okay, what is this? And I, I had to ask him afterwards. He said, you know, I just want to, when I go into a football game, I know I'm going to get hit, and I don't want to avoid it. 
He was bracing himself with his mindset that he is going to be in a tackle sport thing. You know, it's, okay, another one that's another example, the same guy. I remember we went to Disneyland after a Mission Mexico trip. We took these guys to Disneyland. And this is the first time he's ever been to Disneyland. And so he, they, these guys were screaming around. You know how the thing, running around, getting the passes and stuff like that, just constantly running every, all, all through from one ride to another. And I remember um, I was standing in the line for Splash Mountain, and I heard him and the guys, and they were, um, they were coming out of that big hole in Splash Mountain down the, the main slide. And I remember him, I could see him with his hands up, he goes, you ain't so bad! You ain't so bad! And that he would be, and I would hear this all over the park once in a while. You ain't so bad. You ain't so bad. And um, I thought, you know, that's kind of an interesting mindset that he's got. Like me, when I'm in one of those things, I'm like, oh, stop, you know? But he's like embracing it, engaging it. And that's what, I think that's what Peter's talking about here. To arm ourselves with the purpose of suffering. His suffering is an inextricable part of following Jesus. 2 Timothy 3, 12 says, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Now, do we, know, do we understand this? I mean, we can't be shocked or um, you know, um, run away from this because it's, it's a part of the idea of following the risen Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew 16, 24, Jesus says, Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Embrace this idea of suffering. Now, how can we apply this in our lives? Could there be some, could there possibly be times of suffering in your life? I came into this church this morning. I mean, this is the first time I've come into the church in, in a long time where there hasn't been tables everywhere, to, you know, for the, the, that celebration that you guys have, the night, what's it called, night of, I just call it Tim, Tim Tebow night. Um, and John, Baggy, and his crew are making the food, and it's just, everybody's dressed up, and, you know. Um, so now I, I see you guys have chairs in here today. It's disapp- disappointing. Um, <laughs> But we're in this beautiful church. We're in this. We have great. We we have great lives, but we have suffering. I mean, certainly, it's not. I read Voice of the Martyrs um, magazine all the time. I see people who are really suffering. I understand the difference between real suffering and common suffering. But I know in this room, each one of us is representative of a certain set of suffering. Now, Peter's likely speaking here specifically about the suffering inherent in persecution. Um, and I think it's interesting. Instead of embracing suffering, our culture wants to embrace our rights. This is a knee-jerk reaction we have. Our rights. This shouldn't be happening to me. These people shouldn't be treating me this way. Instead of understanding that this is a part of it, I mean, think about our current political world and the cultural world. How can we dare to be like Jesus and arm ourselves with suffering? Or will we arm ourselves with our rights? As Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same purpose, um, Peter says. Now, 
Okay, my wife is involved with 40 Days for Life. I don't know if you're familiar with it. It's a pro-life movement where they go and they just have prayer vigils outside of um, uh, Planned Parenthood and, and places like that. Um, and so last year, I decided I really don't like that, okay? I mean, I really like, for some reason, I like it when people honk and flip me off. I like, there's something just, I just, and I like to count them and think, woo, there's another one. Um, but I don't, you know, I'm just real ADD. So standing on the sidewalk praying is really hard. So she said, we were only doing it in an hour. I only had to do it in an hour. She did it two hours. I just come down for one hour. Whew, that was hard. But it was interesting. Um, I had to sign a, a letter of, um, it's like nonviolence or something like that, that I wouldn't, um, you know, get yell back at people or whatever it is, you know, because it's tempting. Woo, tempting. Um, in that 40 days, so I did it for almost the whole time. Oh, so I can't even believe I'm saying that. We were called so many times effing domestic terrorists. And, you know, not just by, well, there'd be, always be some gal who comes down, blocks traffic, rolls down the window, and they, and what do you say to that? You just go, okay, have a good day. You know, you can't engage in this conversation with somebody who's blocking traffic and yelling at you. Um, this one kid, I thought it was really great. Um, this one kid was walking down the street. He had his earbuds in, and he says something. He said something like, I, I didn't hear it quite distinctly, but he said, um, why don't you pray for um, uh, reproductive health issues? And then one of the older men that was with me said, okay, we'll do that. And so he's walking down, and he goes, what? What did you say? And then I said, he said, we'll, we'll pray for that. And then he, so he takes off his earbuds, and, um, and then he's, he says, yeah, why don't you guys, why, why are you guys out here praying for so-and-so? And I got to explain to him, I mean, it was interesting, I said, okay, well, here's how you frame what we're doing. You remember when slavery was, was rife in America that there was a group called the abolitionists, many of them Christians, who, who said, this is wrong. Even though it's economically expedient, this is wrong, and we stand against it. And you know, not only do we not hold slaves, our country shouldn't hold slaves. And he says to me, he goes, well, that's different, isn't it? The slaves are, we're people. And I said to him, Ah, that's what we're saying. The, the, the baby is a person too. And he goes, okay, you got me there. And then we had this beautiful conversation about the gospel. It's really <laughs> sweet. Right after him, though, this, kid come, this other kid comes up, and he just he starts fumbling around his bag. He gets in the street, starts fumbling around his bag. I thought, okay, this is, it's going down right now. <laughs> it's going down. The moment of glory, blaze of glory here. And he, but he pulls out this mace, Okay. And I thought, oh, dang. And I'm sitting right next to this pregnant gal. Um, I mean, she doesn't look pregnant, but I know she's pregnant. And so he goes, put down those signs. Oh, I'm going to mace you. And I thought, no, 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 this is not happening right here. So I just kind of walk up to him. But I, I mean, and the guy was really very slight, Seattle, classic Seattle kid. I could have snapped him in half, okay? <laughs> and my, part, of my, part of my thing was like, I'm going to break this kid in two. Because he's threatening these people. 
And I just said, no, no, no. I just stand back. And I said, and I just, and I was afraid he's going to spray me. I mean, I'm not, I'm not an idiot. So I just like have my hands in front of my thing. And then I'm just saying, just go, just go. And he, and he starts wrestling with this one pregnant gal trying to steal her sign. It was crazy. And then, you know, I mean, all this stuff's happening. And I felt like my rights were violated. But, you know, as a follower of Jesus, we're, I got to expect that. And we, you know, it was so neat. These ladies I was with just loved this person and said, oh, let's pray for, pray for him. Let's just reach out to him, pray for him. And I was like, I had to kind of chill down. But can we anticipate suffering? Or are we going to assert our rights? And that whole 40 Days for Life thing, for me, is, is just good practice on taking the world's scorn and receiving it in Jesus' name. So where's your suffering? Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's your workplace, right? Um, social media. Maybe that's a place that you just, oh, it's just getting to you. School. You're the odd person out. You're maybe even ostracized because you have a certain set of beliefs and you believe certain things and you, people just want you to be quiet and maybe you're not. Maybe you're even experiencing suffering in church. I find a lot of my suffering comes from church. Amen? Yeah. Okay. Especially worship teams. No, just, I'm just sorry, sorry. I do worship at our church. It's, it's completely carefree. Um, maybe your health. Maybe your health is an area of, of suffering. Your emotions. That can evolve, if the studies are right, that's where a lot of our suffering is coming from. Disarming ourselves to suffer, to engage suffering like Jesus does. Here's what it does. And he, and he goes on to say, it allows us to step out of this, this confusing world where we're self-centered and enter into God's purpose. Verse 2 says of that First Peter passage, so as to live the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. So we're, if we're living for human passions, fun, comfort, relaxation, life enjoyment, uh, healthiness, wealthiness, all those things, there's still going to be an uncrucified self-life that's going on, and that will be, make you vulnerable to fear. Versus purpose, which is discovering and then launching into God's will. This is going to bring life. This is the way out of fear, love and purpose. And, you know, to me, you guys, this is the way through these times we live in. Being immersed in Jesus' love. Every day, immersing ourselves. And then, um, being armed for God's purpose, which is going to include suffering, right? And I, no matter what stage of life you're at, I thought I would be retiring and uh, maybe stepping onto the, 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 gray haven, uh, the, the, the boat and sail with Gandalf into the Grey Havens. That's what I always <laughs> joked about. I found that when I retired from youth ministry, I got launched right back into youth ministry. Praise God. Because it's, you know, finding God's purpose, it's going to be different for everybody, but finding his purpose, that's where life is. You might be trying to find life by escaping all the, the difficult parts, but that's not where life is. You know, some of, some of you young people, you look at that retreat thing, you think, ah, it's going to be hard, I don't really know anybody. That's where the life is. The four-on-four four thing that was announced. You know, some of you guys say, oh, that's going to be awkward. Yes, it's going to be awkward. But that's where the life is. 
entering into God's purpose. It's a two-edged sword, saturating ourselves with the love of God, embracing the suffering that comes from discovering God's purpose. And I tell you, this is going to be the key, and I think we can bring it into the world around us, the key to stabilizing our mental and emotional well-being. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word and your ways. God, again, we see, like we see through the Gospels all the time, we see that uh, your, your ways are not our ways, Lord. As you come, Jesus, and you come not to rule over us, but to serve in the most really degrading, humiliating way. The Lord of the universe comes in the Gospel in that way, and then you call us to, to follow in that footsteps. Lord. So, Lord, help us to discern the times we're in. Lord, I pray for each and every one of these guys and gals here that you would, um, Lord, help us, even as we worship right now, that we would just take in the love of God. That would be a part of our DNA. And then, Lord, I pray you'd shift around our purposes, that we would be people who really... um, are lined up with your purpose, no matter what, the, no matter what they, they mean and what they, uh, what they lead us toward, Lord, suffering or not. We lift it up to you and we just pray these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.